Hey guys, I've got a really, really cool interview with the creator of Color Switch, a very, very popular game with David Reichelt. It's a different format than you might be used to hearing, but it is the backstory. So what was David like? What was he doing before he became ultra famous and ultra rich? Because I actually asked him how much money he made from the game. So it's a completely different format, way loose than you what you might be used to hearing from me. But what I would really love from you is feedback. Let me know what you think of these type of episodes because it is the origins of a brand new podcast that I want to release really soon. So listen in on the backstory of Color Switch creator David Reichelt. The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. Fanbytes.com helps you drive downloads for less than 50 cents using Snapchat influencers. They even help one of my clients drive 46 cents CPIs at scale. Learn more at fanbytes.com. For just one low monthly price, you will discover our greatest growth hacks to driving massive downloads. You can learn more on appmastersacademy.com. Dave Reichelt, thank you for coming back onto the podcast. Thank you for having me again, Steve. I'm going to do a little pro well, intro for you. A proper, but I'm going to go into it right now. So what's changed? What's changed since the success of Color Switch? Well, I'm not parking cars anymore. Mm-hmm. Because as I've said in some interviews, when my game went number one, I was parking a car as a valet. So I won't be getting a, a job anytime soon. Uh, I'm able to do this full time, travel, just enjoy making games. So that's the main thing. I Yeah, I work for myself now, which is great you know, having that time freedom and, uh, yeah. Since I'm so professional, I'm going to make sure that we're actually recording. Okay. Okay. Good. You know, that's how I like to do it. Yeah. That's, that's how a, I like to do it. That's a first for me. <laughs> yeah. You're like, who is this schmuck? <laughs> I say that to the mirror all the time. Who is a schmuck? <laughs> Tell me about how it feels like just being recognized. I know when you wear the shirt or when you have a hat on, people tend to mob you. What's been, well, yeah, if I have my shirt that says creator on the back, I I like I was at Disneyland uh for what was that conference? Casual Connect. Yeah. Was at Disneyland. And I got stopped about a dozen times when me and my brother were both wearing our color switch shirts. So when there's a, a couple of us, they know something's up. They assume we're the creators or whatever. So that's it's really cool to meet people. They get kids get really excited about about this game. Um, and, but yeah, if I don't wear anything incognito, no one would know right. who I am. <laughs> so it's fun going, being able to go back and forth. Um, but I mean, it's great. I love meeting fans. Again, it's a game that whether I meet kids or parents, everyone has a positive reaction and I'm able to go speak at schools and kids listen to you because you represent something that they all enjoy in you. So yeah, it's, I mean, being able to talk to kids and have them listen to you and hopefully inspire some kids is definitely one of the best side effects of the whole thing. You know, I know you're a performer, you're a magician. And yes, sir. <laughs> I like to perform as well. And I would think that it would almost give me a high just being like, 
whoa, I'm getting recognized? Like, that's pretty cool. You know, it was, maybe it was kind of like that in the beginning. It was kind of a new thing. And, it, you know, it was cool people getting excited. But like anything, I guess you get used to it. It's, it's more about, um, I just try to give kids a positive interaction because I, I've seen interviews with some celebrities where they're like, ah, if another person comes up to me, uh, or whenever they do, I just, I just tell them like to go talk to my publicist or just go away, shoo them away. <laughs> like, man, I hope I never am, end up like that. It's a privilege to be able to have people yeah. get excited about something you do. So yeah, I just, you know, so I, I think of it more like that. I just try to give people a positive interaction, some good memory. Uh, like one of the kids at, at Disneyland, he said, I can't believe this. This is the best day ever. I met, I met the, this YouTube star and then the creator of color switch. <laughs> and he was, he, he was like, he was really short, but huge personality. I was like, that kid's going places. I like that kid's attitude. Yeah. But yeah. So it's, it's just fun to be able to be a, you know, have a positive interaction with kids. Now I want to take it back to how you grew up. And your childhood a little bit, but the million dollar the tears question, are going to come. I hope they do. <laughs> <laughs> the million dollar question: Did it make you a millionaire? Are you now a millionaire because of Color Switch? Um, yeah, I that I, I assume people think that that's definitely uh, uh, something that that did happen because I mean the game. You know, we're talking about a game that got downloaded two hundred million times uh, and uh, worldwide brand recognition and. You know this relaunch that's coming up. I'm really excited about. So, but yeah, uh, yeah, it uh, it it, ha- it has done well for me. Yeah, I guess is the proper answer. Um, well, congrats, man. Yeah, I won't be parking cars anytime soon. Yeah. So, I've got to know you now uh-huh. a little bit. Like, it's like it couldn't happen to a better guy. Like, well, honestly, thank you, sir. yeah. I, yeah, you know, I I think I think uh, I I mean this didn't happen to me until I was 36. So I. I failed all my way to the finish line. And I think after going through a bunch of hardships and having experiences that prepare you for a transition like that, uh, I am much better prepared than if this had happened when I was 20, you know, I think I would have gone crazy. Yeah. Um, with, uh, with the transition, but I keep saying transition. I feel like I, like I, I'm transgender now. It's like <laughs> I, this transition is that's, that's how, that's how people usually use that term. But, uh, yeah, I, I feel like ha- it happening at this, that stage in my life, which is two years ago was, was the best instead of hap- it happening when I was younger. So I can actually do positive stuff with it. So I'm, I almost feel like getting success later on in life is a good thing. Like we yeah. got to go through a lot. Yeah. You had to earn it. Yeah. Um, Cause we're very similar in age. Are we? Yeah. How come you look 10 years younger? That's the Asian blood. That racist Asian blood. <laughs> Dang it. All right. So I want to talk about, I got some questions. Yeah. I reached out to your sister, Liz. Oh boy. Yeah. So I want to go back to childhood. She said, I only beat her up a couple times. Okay. okay. Yeah. She didn't mention that at all though. <laughs> so good on her. <laughs> she knows to stay quiet about that. <laughs> She says, what happened with your brother and how Chris convinced you to throw some mud pies at each other? What's that story about? Classic story. So all I remember is I was playing with my superhero toys as I did when I was 25. Um, No, actually, I think I was 11. And my brother comes into the room and he he just said, uh, 
this reenactment. I can't remember our exact words, but it was something like, oh, uh, Brother David, I uh, see that it has rained outside and I thought of quite the joyous game. I think we should throw mud pies at each other. I think it would be quite fun. And I had two toys in my hand and I thought for a second, well, hmm, my brother doesn't usually have the greatest ideas, but this one sounds quite delightful. So uh, we went out in the backyard and it, yeah, it was pretty muddy and I said, you know what? Why don't I go first? My brother thought that was just the best idea ever. Yeah. So I stood in front of the wooden fence and my brother just start, started throwing these mud pies at me and like hitting me in the eye, hitting me in the stomach. Oh and I was so happy about it. I was like, great shot, Chris. That, that almost took out my eye. I think that one had a rock in it. Ow. You know, and he completely covered me with mud. And when he was quite satisfied with the results, I, I said, oh, but I think it's, you know, I, I, there was no more skin to cover with mud. I was completely covered. And I, I just said, Chris, I think it's probably good time to switch roles here. And before I could finish the sentence, he had ran inside and slammed the glass door and locked it. And then when I realized my apparent fate, I just started <laughs> crying as a tough Tough man does at 11. I just sat there banging on the door, crying. And my mom came out and I was like, he covered me with mud and I didn't get my turn. I want my turn. And she just said, get in the shower. There's no more mud. And to this day, I never got to cover my brother in all those mud pies. And uh, my brother doesn't react to a lot. But when I bring that story up, a uh, nefarious, devilish smirk mm -hmm. goes across his face. And he still gets delight out of that. Are you the oldest? No, no, he's two years older. Okay. So you're the middle child? Yeah, middle child. Of course, the middle child gets the abuse. <laughs> so yeah, that's Why did the, you volunteer? That's what I'm I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it just, my brother just, the, the way he packaged the idea just sounded so great. I was like, I love getting dirty and just like sitting there and throwing mud pies at each other. It just sound like such a fun idea. And uh, I just didn't realize how intellectually superior my brother was at the time. And I paid the price. Uh, you've, I think you got back to back at him, right? I never no, got no. nothing. The only way I could is those mud pies. I never got a mud pie. <laughs> okay. Covered I got another me. one. Yep. Tell me about the time you did an impression of your grill sergeant. You know this story? Yeah. I like how my sister wasn't around for any of these well, she stories. She loves these stories, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, she was around for the other one, but she was like one or one year. Yeah, she was one year old. This one, yeah. So medical training. Then the medical training, we do a what's called a field training exercise. And it's where we do all our medical stuff in the field, like our medical carries, bandages, all the stuff we get. Uh tested on all these things and so at the very end they do we always do an end of the day formation then there's 400 soldiers all in their platoons and the drill sergeants to give us our give us our nightly briefing well this was last night before we were basically going to be done and so they wanted some entertainment so they they called out all the soldiers to do impressions because they knew there were some soldiers here and there that did some funny little impressions and i knew this was going to happen someone Word got around. So for three days, I wrote down every single mannerism of my drill sergeants, all his catchphrases, all the 
the people he would pick on. I even went up to the people he picked on and I said, I would be like, hey, Carl, you know how the drill sergeant always makes fun of you? I'm going to do an impression of him of him picking on you. Do you mind if I call you out from the audience? Yeah. And they were all in, in for it. They were like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. So I had all these plants in the audience. I watched a lot of Conan O'Brien and I always knew how he would have plants in the audience. Mm. So I was like, okay, what, what would Conan do if he was in front of a crowd? So I totally took all this inspiration from Conan O'Brien. And then uh, sure enough, the drill sergeants call up people. They do like a quick little thing. And I knew I had 10 minutes of material. I mean, people get up there like 20 seconds feels like a lifetime. So I had 10 minutes of material and then my drill sergeant, you know, a bunch went up there. I, I was waiting and then, and then they said, anybody else? And then I completely froze and I just didn't have the guts to get up there. And fortunately I had told a friend of mine, Hey, when the drill sergeant calls for someone, call me out, call out my name. So he said, yeah, specialist Reichelt has an impression. And he was like, where is that Reichelt? Where is he? Get him up here. And so at that point I was called out and man, I felt walking up in front of 400 soldiers. I've never been in front of a crowd before. It sounded good in my mind, but then actually getting up there, I, I, I was, I, I I thought this is going to be, this is not going to go well. It was the scariest feeling getting up 400 pairs of eyes watching you. And I just remember thinking, bad idea, bad idea, bad idea. My drill starts just staring at me just waiting for a horrible impression so he can make me drop. And then all I did was I just went into, he would do this thing where he would always have his arms crossed. He would always have his, his head tilted down with his hat and you couldn't see his eyes. And he just start walking slowly. So I just went into this and started walking. All of a sudden I hear a chuckle. Yeah. I was like, Oh, Hmm. I mean, we'll keep going. Yeah. And I, I started doing the thing. And then, then I called out my first plant and um, had him, and I started making fun of him, and then more laughter. And then, man, when you get laughter and you're up there, then then you just get in the zone. So I did all my my shticks. I called out this person, that person. There's laughter, laughter. And then at some point, um, I can't remember the joke. There was this Jamaican. There was this uh, Jamaican soldier in training, straight from Jamaica, accent and everything. Our drill start. Who he had? He was Jamaican. And he had a stuttering problem. Oh, hilarious for comedy. <laughs> My drill sergeant always picked on this kid. So he was even on, uh, in on it. He was like, yeah, call me out. So I did this thing, this gag with him um, because the drill sergeant could never understand him because he had a Jamaican accent and he stuttered. So I made fun of the fact that I couldn't understand him. I forget what the gag was. Got a huge laugh, huge round of applause from everybody. What I didn't realize is the reason I got the round of applause is because behind me, my drill sergeant laughed so hard he fell over because <laughs> he was sitting down on the edge of this uh, theater stage. Tears coming down his face because he knew all this was true on, a, on an exaggerated level. And, uh, and everyone was reacting to him. And I was in character the whole time. I had no idea behind me. I had my drill sergeant rolling over. And uh, yeah, to this day, <laughs> I, I still am in contact with that drill sergeant. That's awesome. His name's Drill Sergeant Ernst. And he said, yeah, no one ever beat my impression, not even close. Because like I said, typically people get up there 20 seconds. They do like one thing. I had a list that I made for three days of all the everything. And yeah, it just that's kind of that's basically what inspired me to get into acting and performing because I got such a rush from being on stage. I thought, whoa, I got to explore this. This is cool. That's what I was going to ask you, because I know you told me that you had a hard time as a kid. You didn't talk much. You stuck to yourself. Was that always inside of you? Like, you, do you, did you always want to perform? 
It, I must, it must have um, been there, like, the desire. Well, when I was really little, I was more of a talker, like, preschool until first grade. I was... I was talking to all the kids. Then we we moved out of town. We moved to like I think Lancaster, which is a desert. No kids, homeschooled. So it was like culture shock. And then then we went back for third grade. And then after that, we just kept on moving places. So I think I started to go the opposite way. Whereas when I was younger, I was more um, I was more social and whatnot. But then I guess when you move around and you don't, you, you lose touch with the kids you were around and you're not, you're going to high school and you don't know any of these kids or junior high. Then I think I kind of just got closed off from all that. But a positive side effect is I think from kind of getting ripped out of where you were growing up is and going to all these places, you become more independent, which is what eventually happened. I just kind of went my own way, joined the military and didn't go the kind of same route that everyone else was going, which was usually staying in town, getting a job and, you know, getting married and whatnot. So it ended up being a positive thing. And then, and then I got the gift of the gab again, jibber jabbering around (laughs) and here I am. Did you have any influences growing up on performers? Yeah, I loved Conan O'Brien. I mean, I started watching him early nineties when he, maybe a year after he got the tonight show. Oh, other performers when I was a kid trying to think, I don't know if there was any specific, I just like Conan because he was, he was just this red haired freak Yeah, that had a hit show. Yeah. (laughs) Not for, I mean, he, he calls himself a freak all the time, so that's why I can say it. But I saw a show once he has the legs of a grasshopper. I mean, he's more, he's 90% legs, 10% torso. It's pretty, uh, pretty funny. Um, but I just, um, yeah, I just enjoyed how he, he, he seemed to like performing. And then when I saw him live, when the camera's not rolling, he's making people laugh and everything. He just enjoys it. And, uh, yeah, I would say probably as as far as a performer, he was my main influence. Later I got into magic tricks when I was, I think 26, I think, uh, David Blaine seeing one of his specials influenced me to get into that. Um, yeah, I can't recall any other ones at the moment. I'm sure there's others, so that just it's not reaching my brain right now. There's so much, so many places I want to go, but you're a killer met magician. Like the the tricks that you do, you've done in front of me. Like I said, I've seen you do it multiple times. Yeah, and I've seen you do the same trick maybe t- once. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I've seen that one. Okay, but it's been pretty new. Do, how much? How many hours do you have to practice? Well. In the beginning, I would I always had cards in my hand. Uh, I'm sh- I, I'm sure I would practice like eight, twelve hours a day, working Damn. on different sleight of hand moves and whatnot. I definitely don't do that anymore. But it's kind of like riding a bike when you have performed certain tricks so many times, you don't have to think about it. I have so many magic tricks. I mean, if I if I really? showed you all the tricks I have in my in my giant closet. It's like a magic shop. I love getting new stuff because I love tearing. I love seeing just the creative aspect of it. I appreciate with a magic trick. I mean, people create so many things and, and I mean, it can be inspiring for ideas too, but just the things people think of, I think is, I think it's such a great discipline for creativity. Um, and, uh, 
but yeah, I, 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 I used to practice a ton and I started doing magic tricks for soldiers as I would check them in for the doctor. We usually have 10 minutes to kill. So I'd make them watch like three or four horrible card tricks. <laughs> Cause I mean, I would learn a trick in a book and I was like, I got to practice this somewhere. And so I would just force patients to watch it. And then after, um, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks or a month, I actually, it started working. My doctor picked a card one day and then, and I, and I put it back in the, the, the deck and I said, that's interesting. Check this out. Mm. I have your card in my pocket. And he was like, he was just amazed and demanded how I did. And I said, I'm sorry. I know you outrank me, sir, but magicians cannot reveal their secrets. That trumps an officer's rank. Um, and I just kind of went from there. Then I became a member of the Magic Castle years later. I think six years later. Five or six years later. Worked as a magician for a little while. Definitely, I enjoy performing more than doing it as a business. Um, uh, I just, it's just fun. It's a fun thing to share. But yeah, I have, I have many more tricks to do for you, sir. Oh, I can't wait to see when it. Time is right. <laughs> so you've done stand up, right? Uh, not stand up. I actually, no, one, one, I actually did stand up once. Okay. Uh, it was, it was, uh, I, I should do it more cause it was a great learning experience. I mean, something you think is going to kill in your, in your head. Then when you say it, it takes way longer than it should. I mean, on a stage, things gotta be snappy. Uh, you gotta know what you're doing. And so it was a great learning experience. I just did it once. I uh, definitely would like to do it some more, but I've done improv, which mm-hmm. is way different. And I've done public speaking with Toastmasters, which is, you know, this is all, to me, this is all performance, but it's all very, very different, um, perspectives on, on how to entertain an audience. So do you ever feel like you're doing a little bit too much of everything? No. You're still making games, performing. No, I just, you know, uh, I'm passionate about creating things. So it's fun just to like dabble a little here, dabble a little there. Cause you, even if you're not going to do it as a profession, you learn that perspective. Um, I would love to travel as a public speaker sometime. Um, and then I can, all these things I've dabbled in, like I, in my speech, I can use, um, you know, cause I, I went to school as a film editor and I have studied cinematography. So I make my own videos. I got drone equipment and whatnot, put a flashy, awesome, inspirational video together, have that part of my performance or my, my speech. Um, any, you can put anything in a speech. You could use a magic trick to get a point across or any skill you have, you can put in there which I love about public speaking. There's no real rules. As long as you're entertaining the audience so that they're listening to you, do whatever. Maybe don't get naked. That might (laughs) not be a good idea. Unless it's a nudist colony, then you already are. Um, You ever been? Huh? No. I don't think I'm planning (laughs) on that. I just wear, I wear a lot of clothes. (laughs) I haven't haven't seen myself naked in 20 years. So (laughs) probably not. But, um, yeah, so I love dabbling and learning things. I'm just passionate about creating things. Yeah. So the more things I can learn and uh, then apply that information, the better and kind of keeps, keeps me from going crazy. Cause if I'm not learning something or if I'm not doing something creative, I just, I, you know, I kind of get in a funk, you know, if I, if, if, uh, yeah, if I'm not doing either of those things, you feel like you got to push yourself to do more creative things like yeah it can't just be i have a lot of goals like i want to after games i would like to have a my own production company nice and i have a lot of i already have a lot of projects that i would like to develop and then um i have five or six 
shows as a magician I'd like to do um, as characters and all completely different characters. Uh, that excites me just because this, uh, the characters I have in mind, they perform completely different than me. That's not how I perform. And mm. usually they're going to be comedic. So I, and, you know, using the theater background, putting a character together with costume and prosthetics in some cases, wigs, and then, you know, taking on all the characteristics, the voice, the tone and the mannerisms and all that. Maybe I'll do a magic show as my drill sergeant. Get, get that whole get up. He'd love that. Oh yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, there's a, there's definitely a lot of things I would like to do and I don't know. It's just, I, I, I think it's really fun to create things and, and if you're having, yeah, creating and having fun, then that's what life's all about. Yes. I agree. Have Thank a you. good time. How do you decide like what should come next? So after games, you said after games, you want to do X, Y, and Z. How do you decide that? Cause there's well, a lot of things I want to do too. And I just don't know how to decide what should come next. Well, I do it like this. I think, okay, what can I, what am I, what can I focus on now that'll open up all my time later? Games. Games is a thing that I can make the most revenue at. I don't want to make games forever. Um, I would get bored. I've already been doing it for four years, and, and uh, you know I, I don't want to do it forever. So, because I, again, I like more challenges, um, and uh, so that's how I think of it. Though I think, what can I do now? Even before I had a hit game, I, I said, you know what? If I focus on this games business and I learn how to make good games, I make a hit game. Then that, you know, making that revenue will enable me to do all these other things I want to do that maybe I would take a lot longer to make a living at or in in this future scenario, I wouldn't have to make a living with those things because the games took care of everything. So that's how I look look at it. Um, But what to do, once, once I don't have to focus on games as much, really, I could just section out my time so I could, I'd probably do films put on my own plays, which, which I've been wanting to do for a while and, um, a couple music projects and then other things like nonprofit work and then doing things that are affecting other people. Uh, I have, I mean, I have, I have a app training course, game design training course. I've been thinking about for a year, but it's not time to do it yet. Book that I'd like to get written. I mean, there's tons of stuff, but the games will, allow all that to happen however I'd like to. So it just comes down to once you don't have to worry about finances, okay, how do I want to do all these other things that I'm not worried about if they make money? I'm, I'm sure some of them will, but yeah. I guess that's that's how I think about it. You know, the main reason why I wanted to do this type of podcast was I was inspired by Fallon and how he's just having fun. You know, if you watch his interviews, he's just having fun. He's yeah. playing games with his guests. So that's what I really wanted to do. And do we have a Jimmy Fallon game ready? We do have a game. I'm not trying to transition what? that yet. That would be a great... If I was a professional host, that would be the great transition <laughs> into it. But I was just thinking, like, along your lines, it's okay. Like, you know, the app stuff that I'm doing, it's doing well. Time to take a progression. Like, what's the next step for me? Yeah. I have this audience. Can I foray that into this type of show where it is? Because I'd love to have this be more of like a television or a a web show type of thing. But then I was like, I don't need to wait for CBS or NBC. Be like, Hey, yeah, you should host a show. I'm just like, I'm just going to do yeah, it. Make it happen now. Yeah, exactly. I like that. So what's next? What are you, what else are you working on? 
Okay, what is next? Uh, first, it's the Color Switch relaunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a lot of plans, talking to a lot of different companies to make sure that's that's as big as it can be. And then uh, have a lot of Color Switch spinoff games. Really want to stretch and grow the brand. And I don't really have plans for any non-Color Switch stuff right now because Color Switch got so big and so recognized that it just made sense to focus on and grow that brand. And then it'll come to the point to where I either get a I get acquired or I have other people run it while I do this other stuff. But really, it's the the relaunch which we're in the midst of, and then uh, we I've talked with some companies who are interested in working with me with my brand and their brand to to make uh, uh, a combination of the ideas and. Yeah, that's as far as games, it's just growing that brand. And I don't know. It'd be cool as passion projects to put out games that, that uh, I mean, I love the 80s animated films like uh, The Secret of Nim, fa- all time favorite, Land Before Time. Don Bluth did all those, American Tale. I love the hand drawn animation. And it's ever since I got into games, I've been wanting to make these games where everything is hand drawn the backgrounds, the characters. Oh, wow. And it's all it's all animated by hand. I think that'd be great. And using those films as inspirations for my characters and stories. So I would do that as passion projects for games. But in the game world, what's next is just all Color Switch stuff. Have there been people that you've wanted to meet and now you got to meet because of Color Switch? Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, it, it was really it's been really cool meeting a lot of people in the app industry because I was I was watching your podcast no way before anyone knew who I was and I was I was um following Trey Smith and uh uh and all his stuff and uh going to all these app conferences I've I've I mean I've met the heads of Bond Dynamco and Sega and I mean, and those are games I've been playing since I was a kid. I mean, I'm like five years old playing Pac-Man. I'm talking to the company. That was really cool. So, but as far as anyone outside the industry, I I can't remember if I've met anybody. Um, I might be meeting some people coming up, but uh, yeah, there's, I mean, there's no one on my bucket list. I, I, um, I don't have like a favorite actor or anything. I just, I mean, I enjoy, you know movies and stuff but i don't have yeah i don't have a bucket list of people i'd like to meet really i just meet people as i meet them mm-hmm. and sometimes they're people who are known by the public or or whatnot but um yeah i just uh yeah just i take every day as it comes i like that yeah i've got to meet a couple of different people like one i won't name drop but some tech investors yeah. and then a musician a rapper who mm-hmm. reached out to me and it's been a trip, man, like yeah. putting the podcast together, putting the YouTube channel together for them to reach out to me. It's been like, I was like, holy cow. That's awesome. Yeah. That's what happens once you start producing stuff yeah. and people, you you get to the point where you're actually making quality stuff, people start taking notice. And that's the key is one of the keys. There's a lot of keys. One key is just producing. You have to make stuff. Yep. You can't just think about it. Everyone, that's actually the the... When people find out I make games, they always say, 
I have an idea. I'll <laughs> tell you what. I'll give it to you, and we'll split. I'm like, I don't need any ideas. <laughs> right. Your idea is useless. We'll split it. <laughs> it's the idea plus action creates something. That's what counts. It's like, yeah, if you have uh, something you've created that's has this huge audience, okay, uh, how can I help with that? But ideas are worthless unless you create something with that idea through action. So, yeah. What about success? Now that you've had really phenomenal success with it, has your view of success changed at all? Well, yeah. Once you have a breakthrough, it demystifies what a breakthrough is. And it it also, I mean, it's not this mysterious thing. It's It's really a practical, you know, there's practical methods for success. You know, it's having a very specific goal, taking specific action every day that builds upon it. Every action builds upon the previous action until bam, guess what? There's your breakthrough. Might take a little while. Um, some people could take a lifetime. Some people could take six months, who knows? But um, yeah, once you have that breakthrough, it gives you fuel for the next breakthrough because now you know it's possible for mm. sure. It's like, okay, this isn't just some fluke or some, you know, I remember before I had any breakthroughs, I'd look at things out in the media and I'd be like, how'd that person get there? How, why does that person deserve, you know, blah, 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 um, you know, all these thoughts. And then, uh, yeah, once you actually get there, you realize, oh, it was all this daily effort. And at the same time, information you're always putting in your brain to create new things every day that finally gets you to a breakthrough. So yeah, it kind of just demystified the whole thing. And then I realized, man, if I lost everything, I could totally build it again because now I have a process. I have a system. Uh, and that's the one thing people can't copy is they can't copy your thinking. If you develop a way of thinking to create something, mm -hmm. you can use that same thinking to create something with even bigger results because I mean, I have much more of an understanding about game design and how everything works behind the scenes than I did when I created Color Switch. I mean, at that point, I really didn't understand a ton of stuff. And going through all the last couple of years, you know, the experiences I have, now I know that, okay, not only can I do it again, I can do it. I can make something even bigger. And a lot of people will say, man, when are you going to come out with another game? It's probably not going to be as big as Color Switch, you know, which is the opposite of how you should think you should think you should assume that you can do something even better because if you've been putting new information in your brain and applying it and you have a more developed understanding of what you're doing then you can have a bigger result so i assume that i the next things i do will be bigger right um and and then it, it goes to if you uh if you create first the thought that okay the next thing i do won't be bigger then your actions will follow your actions can only do what you tell them to do. Your brain, you know, will only create what you tell it to create. So if you tell it to create smaller results, then yeah, you're going to get smaller results. If you tell it to create bigger results, maybe every action you do won't, won't get that to happen right away. But again, over time, they all add up to create that, what that goal, the thing you told your brain to create for you. Yeah. It's that confidence too, right? Like, it's like yeah. I feel like I'm like, you know, whatever I touch next, I feel like it's going to work. It's going to be successful because the building blocks of just making the connections that I've already done. Yeah. Like, okay. And if I can't, I've got connections that can probably help me. Like, yeah. hey, I need a job. Okay. Come on and work totally. with me, right? There's, uh, yeah, there's so many. That's, a, that's another key is having friends out there that you can, they can help you. 
because again, the more friends you have to help you solve problems, the better, because it's a super brain. You know, that's why you have mastermind groups. Mm -hmm. What is a mastermind group? It's all these brains coming together to help you to help solve these problems. So oftentimes when you throw out a problem to a bunch of, of your friends, that's a huge amount of computing power that you don't have because we only have one brain. So oftentimes uh, the friends you make can really help you with uh, anything you're working on. You have yeah. any pet peeves? Pet peeves. Yeah, I do. Number one. <laughs> Sorry. Once said Dave Letterman. <laughs> I, I don't like, I, I actually tell this in my, to my team all the time. Like I'll throw out an idea and I'll say, Hey, let's try this. Um, I want to build this graphic or something. And they'll start telling me why it could be a problem or why maybe we shouldn't. And I, I always say, guys, first we create any idea. Unless it's going to take like a year. Uh, then we edit, but we don't edit before. I, I hate editing before. If I, want ideas made or built they need to be built if you start editing yourself before you actually try something you'll never know if it worked if it yeah. would have worked so that's a pet peeve of mine uh, another pet peeve is traffic uh, that's why i live in uh that's live in la <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly worst <laughs> worst traffic in the world um pet peeves pet peeves uh yeah arrogance Fury. I hate air, arrogant people. I've, I hope I'm not arrogant, but if you're, if you're arrogant, it means you, your thinking is bad because you've stopped learning. You, if I think an arrogant person assumes they know the answers. So in effect, you will stop seeking out answers because you're arrogant and you think you have them. And then that just kills your thinking, which kills your creativity and just kind of gives you this negative aura around you and all sorts of bad stuff happens. So I don't like arrogant people or and greedy people. Um, and you know, it comes down to like, like on your team, right? You, you have to, you have to get the right team in place, but you also have to treat your team. Well, you should be able to kind of step back and your team should be able to succeed without you micromanaging or, or, um, or, you know, doing various things that can get in the way. So I think, I think if you're an arrogant person, you're going to think that you have all the answers and you'll tell your team everything to do. And so, yeah, just, just kind of the not being thinking you have the answers and, and not being open to learning anymore is another pet peeve for sure. Cause I, I, I don't care how big color switch got. I still assume I don't know most of what there is to know about the app world, and game design. I mean, I, I I get I invest in my learning by getting all sorts of books and um, and uh, various things to study to keep learning. So uh, I guess those, maybe those are my main pet peeves. You want to know one of my biggest pet peeves? Great red shirts. Yeah, for red Dang sweaters. <laughs> People who wear Christmas shirts and it's not Christmas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's one of them. That's Can you see the number two? <laughs> I hate it when people put in their phone numbers and don't put dashes. Like it drives me bonkers because I have to dial, you know, I, I like to three, three, four. Yeah. And then when you put it all in the row, I don't know where I'm at and I have to dial it because I do a lot of calls every week. And so I can, I can I, understand that pet peeve. I've never had that as a pet peeve, but I get it. Whenever people put dashes, because most people don't. Yeah. 
I'm like, I like you. Like, I like you already. Oh, right before right. I dial. I better check all my messages. <laughs> like, David, what's your phone number? <laughs> Put in the dashes and figure it out. All right, David, you ready to play a game? Yes, sir. Okay. Oh, we are going to play a game. We are going to play a game. Nice. We're going to set up right now. Okay. All right. Let me grab my headphones. Was that all the stuff for my sister? Mm, which one? So I, I bought up the two. two oh, two. you were going to play more at the end. Yeah, this is the one. I got more from your sister. Oh, man. Oh, man. I'm scared. Dum, 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 dum. Uh, okay, yeah. AirPods. AirPods. Okay. While he sets that up, I would just like to say I've never done a podcast show in a kitchen before. And I think all podcasts should be done in kitchens. It's very inviting, very homey feeling. Um, I feel like oh, I could just brew a cup of coffee right now and, um, or wash my hands. You know, I feel very clean. There's an empty sink, a toaster, cupboards. Yeah, I just feel like this. Steve just made this relaxing. <laughs> he just thought, you know what? I want David to feel at home. So we're going to, we're going to have this in the kitchen at good call genius move thanks for filling time anytime all right so this is a game where i've asked liz a bunch of questions okay and you have to try to guess what she said all right oh okay, okay. i like this yeah so you ready for the first one why isn't david married he gets bored of all the girls do he you dates. why huh i don't know that's actually true i always get bored What's the longest relationship you've had? Oh, great! Now we're yeah. Now we're getting See, into now the you details. Just, you just great. went down this road. <laughs> uh, probably a year, broken up into three pieces. Mm. Yeah. How long ago was that? That was between 2015 at the tail end and 2016, the tail end, or beginning of 17. I can't remember. This is for the next show. Yeah. I want to talk about more of that. Yeah. Round right. two next time. This is my favorite question. Okay. Go. So I'm going to lead off with my favorite. Got it. Lead off strong. Okay. <laughs> What's one thing that you think you're good at, but you actually stink at? Oh, great. What would my sister have said? Something I think I'm good at, but I'm just bad at. Maybe maybe she'll say improv because we both studied improv and she got um, professional at it. So yeah, I'll say something to do with comedy. See, I had to go after your sister because I was like, "Is David seen anybody?" I would like to go to your wife. <laughs> your wife would be go. Okay, let's see what let's see what. I'll be said. married next time for okay, you. Okay, thank you. David thinks he's so good at dancing, but he's not good at dancing. I I'm his sister, and I grew up. Uh, taking ballet class and all these dance classes, and I've tried to teach my brother. We were in a play together, and I had to choreograph it, and he has two left feet, but he doesn't think he does. He thinks he's very good at it, um, but no one thinks he's good at it. She said no one. No. <laughs> no one. No one. What's your favorite song to dance to? I should have thought of dancing. Um, I don't have a – I don't dance to anything. I just – like I've taken swing dance lessons mm -hmm. and uh, which I, I think swing dancing is a lot of fun, but I hardly ever do it. Um, 
I actually would probably agree with her <laughs> that I'm not a good dancer. <laughs> I think if you can teach me to dance well, that will be a miracle. <laughs> I should have thought of the dancing one. But I, know, I don't know if I ever thought I was a great dancer, but apparently I do because... She thinks you do. Well, and if she's around, I probably have to act like I am mm. just because I can't have her be right. All right. So A man is never wrong. What's one thing that she wants you to stop doing? Oh, gosh. Um, it could be picking my nose. It could, it's probably some bodily function, like maybe <laughs> maybe uh, gassing it up, <laughs> picking my nose. Um, maybe she wants me to stop getting bored and settle down. Probably, I'll say something having to do with a bodily function. All right. David? I wish my brother would stop playing the Nutcracker soundtrack. David knows that I hate that soundtrack because I used to be a dancer and I listened to that growing up so much. But for some reason, whenever I go to his house, he always has to play the soundtrack from the Nutcracker. I don't know what it is, but he loves it and he says it helps him work. But truly, I think he just plays it because he knows I hate it so much. Is that true? Uh, Apparently, I guess I do play it a lot. I love (laughs) that soundtrack. My favorite music track ever is on that soundtrack i think it's the arabian dance i love that track um but yeah i guess i guess i must i wouldn't have thought of that one i totally would have thought of bodily function leave <laughs> it to my sister to keep it classy and for me to take it down to the dirt all right i think i like this one too okay what celebrity do you do you think would play you <laughs> what celebrity well i it, I always get people saying I look like two celebrities. It's usually Edward Norton, mm-hmm. and it's how he looked from American History X, shaved head, goatee, mm-hmm. or Bill Murray. I think when I weigh more, it's Bill Murray, and when I weigh when I lose weight, it's Edward Norton. So, but if someone were to play me, if it were a younger Bill Murray, then it would be Bill Murray. But he's like closing in on seventy now, so I I, I hope he wouldn't be playing me. I hope I don't look that old yet. You're f- David always gets right that he looks like Edward Norton, so I would probably say Edward Norton. But I think a person that would like truly capture David's essence would be Bill Murray. Let's so a combination of both of them, ding, 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 ding. but probably Bill Murray. Finally, I got one right. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to end on a high note. What animal best describes you, according to Liz? What animal best describes me? She's going to say, let's see, is she going to stay classy with this one? Yeah, she's classy. Um, I'll give you a hint. What? Maybe a chameleon. Chameleon. She she gave you something good. I don't want this to go to his head, but I think a lion would best describe my brother because I think he's the leader. He's always been the leader of his pack. He's always been the leader of, like, his friend group and uh, people around him. Um He's very loyal and intelligent, uh, but can be aggressive when he needs to be and can protect those around him when he needs to protect them. Uh, I think lions are very smart and courageous, and I think he's those uh, has those characteristics as well. Um, but, you know, maybe also like a lion who has like a, a hyena best friend because David also is like a very big jokester. Um, so maybe if a hyena and a lion had a baby, that would be my brother. I'm the hyena lion hybrid uh (laughs) 
Chameleon. I like the lion better. <laughs> yeah. Goodness. Goodness gracious. I only got one right answer. Only one. But I mean, the lion F. That, that was my GPA bad. in high school. Zero point eight GPA. F. You're proud of that fact. I'm very. I'm very proud. Yeah. I. You know, when I messaged my school about coming in to talk as a speaker sometime. Yeah. They never got it back to me. <laughs> hey, remember me? <laughs> I want to all tell the kids to drop out. What's the problem? Um, lion. Okay, I'm gonna have to start wearing a, a lion onesie. I think so. I want to uh, thank Liz for doing this. So thank you, Liz, for yes, doing thank that. You. She, uh, anything you want to? Anything nice you want to say to her after she gave you such a glowing animal? Okay, what animal would my sister be? Should I, <laughs> am I going to answer all these questions? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to interview Liz next. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, let me think. Well, yes, my sister is very funny. She's. I remember when she started her improv training, she was not having the most fun with it and she she would just say things like i just don't think this is for me i'm not funny but she kept with it and now you know you go watch her in a show and she's the usually the funniest one on stage so she was able to just um fail her way through her own breakthrough you know because i mean you get up there and maybe you don't feel comfortable for a while and so you just have to learn through doing it so that and then um, my sister's shorter than I am. So that's a positive. Uh, what else? Um, also my sister is very considerate, very loyal. And, um, is both pretty she loyal. drives a hybrid car. So she's conscious about the environment. Um, global warming, even though I think that's a whole scam. Uh, um, uh, boogeyman <laughs> focus on the boogeyman, not reality. Uh, excuse me, excuse me. Sorry, can't derail this this uh, podcast. And um, who would play my sister? Probably, we'll see Jennifer Aniston in her younger years, of course, of course, of course. And um, maybe she'd be a butterfly, and she would fly around uh, uh, my head, whispering in my ear, which gazelle to go kill as my. <laughs> Lion hyena hybrid, <laughs> and we would make a good team. That's awesome, Dave Reichel. Thank you so much. Congratulations on all the success. I thank really you, appreciate sir. it. Thank you for you coming on. This tell me great, when man. it's part two. I'll be back. Yeah, let's do this every year. <laughs> let's do it every day. All right. <laughs> and we're done. My and man. cut. <laughs> and cut, people. Editing floor. That was awesome, dude. Yeah, it was fun. You have a good time? Yeah, totally. Always do. Oh. Oh, okay. Look at that. 49 minutes. Thanks for listening to the App Masters Podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.